Roger that, Houston. All systems five by five. But what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Get away from her, you bitch! Welcome to the Nerdfest podcast. Today we've got Dan Watkins, Peter Johnson, Ian McLaughlin, Don Father, and I'm Hazel Burton. On the podcast today, we've got the most enormously large, shameful gap, courtesy of Peter. Yeah. Yes, we'll come on to that. Um, and we've also got our film buff or film bluff quiz for you. So let's get started. Now it's time for Film Buff or Film Bluff. This is our regular quiz where each of the nerds recites three pieces of nerd trivia, but only two of them are true. So we've got to work out which is the film bluff. And of course, you can play along at home and shout into your audio audio device at how uh, long we're taking to solve (laughs) the puzzle. (laughs) Don't do that if you're in the street because people think you're a mad person. Are you speaking from personal yeah, I experience? Have experience All right. yes. How about uh, Dan? You have a film buff or film buff bluff for us? I do indeed, although technically it's not about a film. Okay. Oh. That's fine. Uh, because You're a rule breaker? I know. Earlier this week, I was lucky enough to see the West End production of Lynn Manuel Miranda's musical Hamilton. Not really. Yeah. Yeah. Mentioned mentioned this, no? I know. I will be mentioning in every episode. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. And it's a show about the life of. America's first Treasury Secretary, Alexander Hamilton. How did they pitch this? Because I know the play is good, but that's a pitch that is a hard sell. He started it off as a mixtape, and he was going to do like a compilation CD with different hip-hop artists. He debuted one of the songs he'd been working on at a kind of poetry and spoken word night at the White House that he'd been invited Mm. to, because he just won a bunch of Tonys for his last musical. And it kind of caught on, and it grew and grew in the telling, and he thought, this isn't just a mixtape. We could actually do this as a show. And it started to develop from there. It went on, a, I think, an off-Broadway theatre first, managed to get a Broadway transfer, by which time it got so much buzz around it, it became the phenomenon mm-hmm. that it now is. Yeah. But when the video of him introducing it at the White House in, I think, 2009 is on YouTube, and when he introduces the idea the audience laugh they yeah. they don't treat it as oh what a good idea they think it's funny but obviously opinion has changed mm-hmm. somewhat so um broadly speaking hamilton sticks to historical fact in telling the story of alexander hamilton's life but to fit the narrative a few creative differences have been altered in the history mm-hmm. so which of these three things that happen in Hamilton the show did not happen in actual history. Okay. Okay. We have to know our history. Yes or no. Okay. Maybe. Number one. <laughs> Let Ian finish his popcorn first. Let Ian finish his popcorn first. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's good. Sorry, I'll completely forgot. This is salt and sweet popcorn, by the way. Listeners. The mix between the two is, is great. Okay. The popcorn. Okay. I'm all quiet. Okay. I'm all ears. You are. <laughs> Carry on, Dan. Number one. Revolutionary soldier Hercules Mulligan used his day job as a tailor to spy on the British Army. Ooh. Number two. 
Vice President Aaron Burr killed Alexander Hamilton in a duel after Hamilton endorsed Thomas Jefferson in the presidential election of 1800. Or number three, Alexander Hamilton published details of his extramarital affair in a pamphlet called the Reynolds Pamphlet, which was America's first sex scandal. So all of these were in the play, but one of them is not true in real life? Correct. Okay. Anyone know the 1800s American history? Not yes. a job. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. Yeah, I studied at university. So we're looking at Ian here for a... I didn't go to university. <laughs> <laughs> it was, that was a bluff. Oh. Okay, so... I'm not sure you understand how to play this game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're bluffing. All right. He then. was shot. I know he was shot, but In I don't know who well, shot him. Surely they can't change how he dies. Wouldn't that be one of the few things people might know? Yeah. Mm. I don't think it was America's first sex scandal. I can say, scandal. yeah, no. there have been lots of sex scandals. This is a, he's one of the founding fathers, though, isn't he? So it must be... Mm. He was one of, is he one of the founding fathers? He was, yeah. We're talking America as in the United States yeah. of. Yeah. So. so it probably would be the first sex scandal if it was it. Did you say he published it himself? Or he, published he, he did. He, he said he published, published it himself. Why? Why? why, why? why yeah. Why would he do that? In the show, it is because Jefferson and his political rivals have noticed some irregularities in his finances and want to expose him to get him out of his office in the mm-hmm. Treasury to prove that he was did everything on the books. He published all the details of the affair, including the payments he made to the lady's husband to keep quiet about it to clear his name politically, but it ruined him personally. So that's in the show? That's in the show. Yeah, which yeah. is obviously why Trump's not doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so when he did that in real life, it wasn't for that reason, it was for a different reason. I cannot comment. Nice, John. <laughs> <laughs> nice little trap set yeah. there. Yeah. Could we Hi. have the second one yeah, again, Yeah, the second please? one again? Uh, the second one, Vice President Aaron Burr killed Alexander Hamilton in a duel after he endorsed Thomas Jefferson in the presidential election of 1800. There's too many facts in there yeah. that you for you to alter. Like, it might not be Thomas yeah. Jefferson. Yeah. It might not be a jewel. So I might mm. go for that one. I'm going to go for number one, the spy. Mm. I don't think it just sounds like I, I'm, I'm going to go for the tailor. That sounds like a bad plot device. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to break away and go for number two. Hazel is correct. Yay! <laughs> um, he did work as a tailor in New York, and the British Army would go to him to get their uniforms cleaned. They would then move on to their next camp, he would have to know where that was to send the uniforms on <laughs> and could inform George Washington where the British army was going to be. Oh. So he was indeed a tailor spying on the British government. Mm. Was he also a tinker? Tinker, yeah. Sad- sadly he no. was not, but he does have one of the best names in American <laughs> history. Hercules Mulligan. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Vice President Aaron Burr did kill Alexander Hamilton in a duel, but it wasn't after he endorsed Jefferson. That's what happens in the show but what happened was Hamilton endorsed Jefferson and then a few years later Burr tried to run for a governorship in New York and Hamilton disagreed with him again and that's what drove him over the edge. But he was killed in a duel by the vice president, which doesn't happen very much anymore. And for number three, Hamilton did actually publish details of his affair to clear his name financially, um, even though it caused all sorts of trouble for him afterwards. And that's Mm. partly why people haven't heard of him up to now because he had so many political rivals, they just buried his reputation after mm. he got killed. I've got a nice film muff. Um, well, I've heard you. tale. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it has a film on it. You should see a doctor. Which one of these is the bluff? The muff bluff. <laughs> okay. 
In 2002, Steven Spielberg finally finished his film college after a 33-year hiatus. His end-of-term project he put in was Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. One. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, in total, Daniel Radcliffe went through 160 pairs of spectacles <laughs> across the whole series of the Harry Potter films. Okay. Mm-hmm. And finally, after Top Gun showed in cinemas, recruitment in the Navy went up by 3,000%. 3,000. I know it Ooh. went up an awful lot. You could be just, you know, lying out of your ass about 3,000. Out be... the muff. <laughs> <laughs> Showing my Top Gun ignorance here. They were in the Navy? They were? Yeah. Oh. Yes. Fleet yeah. Aero. I assumed it was the Air Force. Not, I didn't pay much attention to Top Gun when I watched it. Did you not? You were too distracted by the oiled up by the volleyball. And, uh... I had the need for speed and watched it on fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I th- yeah, I think the Top Gun one's true. Um, I, I've i heard something similar to the Daniel Radcliffe one before. Mm. He did go through an awful lot of pairs of glasses. Yeah. But is the number right? <laughs> that is the question. I mean, 160, yeah. that's like, there's eight films. That's yeah. 20 glasses <laughs> per pair of film. Quick maths per from pair, John Farber. 20 pairs of glasses per film. Yeah. Some of them had to be broken, some not. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Some with teletape on. Um, probably. I think probably the one with the most grey area is the Spielberg one. It might not be that he submitted Schindler's List. I don't think he ever went to film college. He did. Mm. Yeah, um, he did with George oh. Lucas. <laughs> yeah. I take it back. <laughs> I think he may have not graduated and gone he off. Did to graduate because yeah. Lucas, um, uh, Lucas uh, released THX one one eight zero. It's one one three eight. One one three eight, and um, yeah. Spielberg didn't. He dropped out mm. because okay. he got his first big job. Yes, which yeah. was. So maybe he never went back or he submitted a different film. Yeah, I think he submitted um, 1941. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> in that case, he wouldn't have passed. <laughs> would you be allowed to go back after? I suppose you would if you were Steven Spielberg. Yeah. You'd be allowed you to do anything. Do, yeah. You'd, you'd get an honorary one honorary, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, so 2002, so he'd just released Minority Report in 2001. So he might have submitted that one. Mm, but Schindler's List is his masterwork, isn't it? I think um, I think that's the bluff. I think he did, but I think it might be a different film. Mm-hmm. I agree with John. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. so you think Spielberg's the bluff? Yep. Yeah. What about you, Peter? <laughs> I can't remember now. <laughs> so scum. Top Gun after Top All Gun, right. Navy recruitment went up by. 3, uh, I know it went up a huge amount. Three thousand is a lot, but I know it went up a lot. So I'm okay. I'll believe that. And the the other one was Harry Potter. Uh, Harry Potter, 160 pairs of glasses. I'm gonna, for the sake of being awkward, say that's. That's the one that's not true. Right. Okay. Uh, Top Gun is the one that's not true. <gasps> oh. It only went up by 500%. Uh, <laughs> okay. Only 500%. <laughs> only 500%. But yes, Spielberg mm-hmm. did turn in Schindler's List wow. to get his honorary uh, film Very good. certificate. <laughs> what do you call it? Degree. That's the word I was looking for. Dan did get good universe. And Dan Radcliffe did go through 160 pairs of glasses. <laughs> okay. Um, I was having a conversation about Jaws recently with someone, so that inspired me in my film buff or film bluff. So, first one. George Lucas visited the set, and wanting to see how the mechanics of the shark worked, he stuck his head in its mouth. As a joke, Spielberg manipulated the controls to make it clamp down on Lucas's head, but unfortunately it malfunctioned and Lucas was stuck for three hours. Okay. 
Uh, second one, uh, Spielberg, who was greedy for one more scream, reshot the scene in which Hooper discovers Ben Gardner's body. He used a swimming pool in which he poured powdered milk in to replace the murky waters of Martha's Vineyard. Okay. And the third one is uh, Roy Schneider. Is it Schneider? Schneider. 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 <laughs> Roy Schneider became interested in the project upon hearing it was going to be based on the novel Jaws by Peter Benchley, who, which was one of his favourite books. Uh, but that was before Spielberg asked the cast and crew not to read it because he was changing it so much for the screenplay. So Schneider had to bite his tongue throughout the entire production. Mm. Okay, I believe the middle one because I think I remember hearing that sometime. I may partly accuse myself because Hazel was drunk the other night and told me <laughs> two of these facts. <laughs> I told you one of them. <laughs> You know, you know, one of them is true. I know, I, I know for a fact one is true, and I know the one that you told me in the okay, pub. So give us the one that you know for a fact. Um, so the one that I know for a fact is true is the reshoot in the Ben Garner boat in the swimming pool. Yeah. I don't think that Lucas was stuck for three hours. Okay. I, I mean, it would be a pretty stupid thing to do, knowing how bad the shark was how badly behaved no I do, I do know they did break the shark but what i don't know is if john lucas was stuck in there for three hours that might be it might be a, a semi bluff it could be the amount of time that's wrong but jaws is one of my i've talked about jaws before on the podcast it's one of my favorite films and i've seen making ofs and i've read books about it and i've never heard the story about roy schneider schneider reading the book and then the film being changed and the film doesn't change that much from the book. No, I've read the book as well. Yeah. It doesn't really change that much. No. There's a bit, I think, I think the, the weirdest change from the book is um, Hooper has an affair with Brody's wife in the book, which comes out of nowhere. And also the mayor is <coughs> the, wants to keep the beach open because of the mafia. I think he owes money to the mafia. Mm. And if he closes the beach down, he'll lose that mafia money and possibly end up sleeping with the fishes, which would be mm. a, <laughs> so, ironic. Yeah. Additional trivia, though. The author, Peter Benchley, was ordered off the set because he processed, protested a lot of the changes. Mm. So. And uh, more more trivia trivia, but more of a quiz <laughs> question. I'm sure you'll get this straight away. But uh, what other movie does the same character of the mayor appear in? Jaws 2. <laughs> and another film that's not a part of the Jaws series. Is it another Spielberg film? No. Nope. Is oh. it a parody? It's exactly the same character. It's not really a parody. A deliberate parody, anyway. Stranger Things? No, it's Piranha. I was going to say that was going to be my next yeah. guess. And even, yeah. he, he even does a callback to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, not again, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Piranha's a great film. It's a great movie. Yeah. yeah. Piranha it's all about 2. the original. The, uh, the original, yeah. Is it Joe Dante? Uh, Joe Dante, yeah. Piranha 2 was James Cameron's His first film before colours. he got fired, yeah. Sorry. That's all right. That's all right. I think that it wasn't stuck for three hours. Okay. I think that the story about Roy Schneider reading the book is false. Okay. I'm going to go for George Lucas' headshark trap. So one of us is going to win. George Lucas' headshark sharp strap. Headshark strap. George Lucas and the shark story is true. Oh. The one I made up is uh, Roy Schneider. Apparently he became interested in the project when he overheard Spielberg talking at a party and he talked about how the shark was going to jump on the boat and he thought, I want to be in that Mm. movie. 
So I made up that he liked the book. <laughs> he really didn't want to be in Jaws 2, though. He was, like, dragged back, kicking and screaming. <laughs> and uh, ended up having, like, a fist fight with the director. <laughs> and at one point, the story goes that he feigned in, insanity. Death. He, he <laughs> Blackadder style. <laughs> yeah, he feigned insanity <laughs> to get out of filming Jaws 2. Uh, eventually he was, was two pencils up his nose. Yeah. Michael Caine tried a similar trick for Jaws 4. Four. Yes. <laughs> Just got a message from Bev. This has got nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. But my, my partner, Beverly, has just messaged me via Facebook because we, we, we did a gig last night and she's very hungover. So tired, I've just melted our brand new electric kettle on the gas hob. Oops. There'll be lots of iron in your diet. <laughs> You've had a gas hob for many, gas kettle for many years, yeah. though. It, it died. So you, you thought you'd... No, I understand. I see what she's done there. Yeah. Stupid cow! <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, did you say iron or kettle? I thought you said iron. Kettle. Brand new electric kettle. <laughs> she's put on the gas hob and walked away from it. <laughs> and then smelt, obviously, the stench of burning plastic. <laughs> and their dying dog and cat. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have a film buff or film bluff. Okay. Um, okay. Three facts, one of which is... A complete lie. Okay. Um, I have no notes, John. You I have no notes. I'm going to try and remember them. Okay. <laughs> okay. Go wrong. Uh, fact number one: In Alien, where they find the alien nest and there's all like the blue lights and exciting lighting and everything, that lighting was borrowed from the Who, the band the Who, who were rehearsing for their next tour in the studio next to where Alien was being filmed, and lent them their lighting rig for that scene. Mm-hmm. Alright. Okay. I know that one to be true. Yeah, I know oh, that one to be true. It's the lasers they borrowed off them. Oh, I've heard that one before. That's that ruined. <laughs> Carry on, John. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll give an alternate fact one as well, maybe. Um, an alternate fact, also, like Kellyanne Conway. <laughs> so, surely we know that has to be true, your alternate fact one. Oh, oh yes, it's a flawed John, system. Is, You're fucked either way, yeah. John. Okay. It's going really well, John. Fact number two uh, Christopher Walker. Love. <laughs> Christopher Walken? Christopher Walken auditioned for the role of Han Solo in Star Wars. In part, he didn't get it because he disagreed with the character, stating that he did not believe that the um, audience would be on Han Solo's side if he shot Greedo first, that they would make him too unlikable. So he didn't get the part, but George Lucas stayed friends with him for years afterwards. So in 1997, when they reshot it, so Greedo shot first. That is George Lucas. He's going on and on, so you can tell he's just tried to paper over the crack. That is George Lucas giving a little nod out to his friend Christopher Walken saying, actually, yeah, I think you were right, and it's a mistake. So he did did it for Walken. All together. Not necessarily, because you have uh, fact number three. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fact number three is when sending out the script for Goodwill Hunting which was a popular script at the time, it was sent to all the studios and Ben Affleck and Matt Damon wrote a three-page graphic sex scene that they just inserted in the middle of the script. Um, and if no, if they didn't bring it up in meetings, they assumed that the studio hadn't actually yep. read the script. True. That's absolutely true. I know that one to that be true. Yeah. <laughs> I know that to be true as well. Mm, I wonder which one might be the bluff. No. <laughs> Let me see. Could be, it could be the, the boring of the lasers. But we all know that's It could be, uh, it, it could be the final one, um, but that's true. <laughs> so I'm going to take a punt here with your second 
Appalling fact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An admirable creativity, John. Yeah. Yes. It didn't work. Yeah. And, yeah. You can uh, tell you're a lawyer, can't you? He can just, he can just <laughs> spin off on anything. But it was more a fan pressure thing, anyway. Yes, that yeah. That's why it was assumed. I, I was hoping I might lure you in with Christopher Walken, because he did audition for the, the role of Han Solo. Right. Did you get it? Okay, so my three film buff or film bluff questions, one of which is bullshit, <laughs> are first... The movie Quadrophenia is directed by Frank Rodham, who is also credited as devising the TV cookery show MasterChef for its first few seasons. So, okay. Okay. Uh, second one is, in the Quantum Leap TV show, Sam leaps to every year from 1953 to 1987 at least once. And the third one, Black Panther made its comic debut in 1966, when the political group of the same name appeared shortly after he was temporarily renamed the Black Leopard. Mm. I think that's true, isn't it? I don't know. I I like the fact that Sam leaped into every year. Yeah. If you there ever was an awful, there was an awful lot of episodes of it. Yeah. If you ever want to get out of a boring conversation, uh, just stop mid sentence and just look around and go, Ziggy, where am I? <laughs> oh boy, and wander off. Does that actually work that for you? Does <laughs> <it>? <laughs> that does, <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's Try why that you keep doing it. <laughs> What was the first one? I've forgotten the first oh. one now. It was the mood of the quadrophenia is directed by the same person who devised MasterChef. That's just that, that's just that's true. too ridiculous. It's got to be true because it is just stupid, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> so it's got to be true. Unless Peter was last night watching Quadrophenia. And then I thought to himself, this would be a good bluff. And then flicked over to MasterChef. Yeah. So I've got an idea yeah, here. Peter's not clever enough to put two things no. together like that. So <clears throat> I reckon that one's true. Yeah, I... What was I, the second one again? The second one is in the Quantum Leap TV show, oh, like Sam one, jumps yes. into every year from 1953 to 1987 at least once. I don't think it's 1987 because it's set in the future. And it was a late 80s TV show, wasn't it? And there's at least there's a couple of episodes where he jumps into the future as it was then, because he can he can leap within his lifetime. That's right, isn't it? That was the premise of the film. Mm. He could, or the TV says, he could leap anywhere within his lifetime. But it was set in the then future, which is like the late nineties or something. And in at least one episode, he jumps into the future, which is the past now. But at the time the TV series was made in the 80s, <laughs> would have been the future. <laughs> so I think that is a that is a that is a lie. Uh, I, I I'm now questioning myself about the last one and trying to think where I might have heard it, and I think it might be something else, or it sounds like something you'd make up. And that was that the Black Panthers, uh, due to the uh, sort of black activist movement mm. at around the same time, the comic character renamed. Changed his name to the Black Leopard. Maybe it's not Black Leopard. Isn't it? Yeah, I'll know Black, that one. Black I Badger. I kind of think that the the Black Panther movement might have actually been the inspiration for Black Panther mm-hmm. character somehow. Okay. I had always wondered that. Mm. Which one reason I did some oh, research? Ah, yeah. he's giving something away there. No, he's bluffing again. <laughs> and you don't get a black leopard, you get a black panther. That's a thing that exists. I don't, can you get a black leopard? Yeah. 
Can you have cash cards? I don't know. Maybe. He's bluffing. <laughs> I'll look it up. No, it's cheating. Um, I think that's a lie. Yeah, I think the third one's a lie. I think it was Black Camel. <laughs> uh, I think it was Black, ben, Black Betty Bambalam. The third one is true. Oh, yeah. Oh, but I haven't decided. Yeah, you have. <laughs> I haven't decided. Oh. Okay, okay uh, one or two that you think is true. There's Quadrophenia. Or, I think that's uh, got to be true. Yeah. That's got to be true, Quadrophenia. I'll, I'll go with John's ridiculous explanation of uh, <laughs> Quantum Leap. Uh, Quantum Leap is the false one. Hey. Yes. But not for the reason you Oh, said. not for the reason I uh, He actually never went to 1977, never went to 1984, and never went to 1986. But he did do 53 to 87, other than that. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't set in the future. So oh. your logic was wrong. Have I just created right. an entire completely flawed logic nonsense version of Quantum Leap in my uh, head? Black Panther, because uh, you mentioned where the name came from, uh, his name, there was a, a boxer who, it was like such and such the Black Panther. Oh, right. such and, such mm-hmm. and it was also the name of a tank division. Uh. Can I just say in the last episode of Quantum Leap, he continues leaping, it said he never leaped home, so I would imagine at some point he'll visit he, all those he years. He visited those years. We just didn't. But that wasn't in the TV series. No. That was after the TV series. Mm-hmm. It did end up being the. It's Dan Watkins when you need him. He's timey wimey bullshit. So now it's time for Shameful Gap. This is where a um, one of us nerds who has not seen a famous nerdy film um, goes and watches it for the very first time and then comes to the podcast prepared to talk about it. Uh, we've already had Robocop, They Live and Die Hard 2. And who is going to own up to having a shameful gap this time? That'll be me. Uh, and my shameful gap is not having seen Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Shame. Shame! I can't believe this, Peter, because you were a huge Star Wars fan and you've never seen... Uh, that is true, yes. Uh, well, I'd say I was a moderate fan. Um, I've seen the original trilogy four times each at least. Definitely seen the original more than ten times, like everyone has. Uh, all the new Disney movies I've seen twice each. Um, and um, But Phantom Menace, um, I went to see in the cinema and took Judith with me, who likes my wife and she likes sci-fi films. But she found the experience of that so boring she just refused to ever go to a Star Wars movie again. <laughs> um, and I, I watched Attack of the Clones mm-hmm. as well, and that was just so boring. <laughs> really, I just never really bothered to watch it. Um, it is held to be the best of the prequels um, after the criti- critically savaged first one and the uh, just boring Attack of the Clones. Um, so I was expecting... I was expecting it to be better than I thought, and going back with a sort of, you know, after a certain amount of time, it would still be, hey, here's some new Star Wars I haven't watched. The film covers the young Jedi, Anakin Skywalker, how he becomes Darth Vader, one of the all-time great cinematic villains. Anakin's haunted by a vision of his wife Padme dying in childbirth, which he's told the dark side can prevent, so he makes a false impact with the devil, even ending up in the flames of hell, but in trying to prevent the death of his wife, he ends up causing it. The movie ends with the birth of Luke and Leia hidden away on different planets without knowing the heritage or destiny and finally joins the two trilogies at last. Which sounds sounds like it should be good. <laughs> but it wasn't. <laughs> no, I really was it, not happy with it. No, I'm afraid not. Uh, I mean, it starts with a you know big action sequence with Obi-Wan and Anakin swooping in their little tiny fighters amongst the huge yep. sort of Star Destroyers. Um, it has decent sequence at the end. Um, 
following order 66 being executed. Yep. There's a nice little sequence there about all the things happening. Uh, but in between is just hours of people talking and the dialogue is terrible. It's <laughs> just really a, a dreadful script. Punctuated every few minutes by yet another overlong sequence of a spaceship coming into land on a planet. And that must happen, what, 20 times easily in the film, where yet again we cut to, oh, here's a little spaceship, oh, he's going to land, oh, mm. oh, yeah, okay, he's just touched down, oh, and now people are getting out, and then we go somewhere else. And how it's just so un- such an annoying way of doing it. <laughs> and Lucas' direction is very flat, but it's not helped by a truly awful central performance from Hayden Christensen. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not great. <laughs> he spends half the movie just scowling and trying to look moody. Uh, as though that was sort of the only way you could represent inner turmoil. Horrifically miscast, unfortunately. Not uh, as bad as Jake Lloyd. I don't well, know if he's that, miscast or misdirected. That's almost exactly word for word about what I've said. Oh, right. After seeing how miscast young lead dragged down the Phantom Menace, I yeah. can't believe they did exactly the same mistake on this one. Because uh, Phantom Menace would have been better with a decent lead. Yeah. I haven't seen Hayden Christensen in many other things, so I don't know if he's just a bad actor or a bad director. Uh, almost nothing else he's been in. I'll check IMDb. Mm. Uh, there's Jumper, Jump, which yeah, I, I saw remember in. that. That's the mm. only thing I've seen. Was he in Shattered him. Glass, the one about the journalist that told lies? Mm, I don't know. But I re- if so I haven't seen him. I remember hearing about a film he was in um, about a guy who goes in for an operation and. The anaesthetic doesn't work properly, but it looks like it has. So he's actually awake, but he's not. Mm. I can't remember the name of it, but the the idea of that freaked me out enough that I have never sought it's out that these... film. So I don't know if he's any good in it, because I would be terrified of well, that happening to well, me. I, I, would, I would guess he isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I would guess he's part I'll of that one of board game-based movies. So they had, you know, they were talking about making a risk movie. And I think That's it was based, based on the board game operation, yeah. yeah. Which is why, if you look on the poster, um, Hayden Christensen has that big red nose. Huh? <laughs> 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 right. yeah. That's uh, a film before uh, film bluff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently, Christensen convinced Lucas to let him play Vader at the end as well. So he became the first person who'd played um, both Anakin mm. and Vader in the yeah. same movie. Um, but to, to make him big enough to do that, he had to wear lifts in his shoes. And he had to look out at the mouthpiece in the costume. <laughs> just to, they need to bulk up the shoulders and make him look like he does in the first yeah. couple of films. Now, I, have to, I, I saw this in the cinema and I've tried about three times to watch it since and I've never made it to the end. But what did you think of the actual transition to Vader when he's like raised from that platform and he has a... He said, no. Did, yeah, yeah did, you, right. did you watch the, the version, the original version where he rises up and the Emperor kind of goes, Lord Vader! <laughs> or did you watch the redubbed version where you get the extra James Earl Jones? No! Uh, I'm not sure. It was redubbed. definitely James Earl yeah. Jones. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which was what I was going to ask you is, was it James Earl Jones doing the voice? Because he's it, kind of denied it in a way. It was, but in and the original theatrical version, that initial reaction to Padme's death isn't there. They put that in, I think, for the Blu-ray release of mm-hmm. the, the whole saga. Right. Um, and there's also the same no overdubbed at the end of Return of the Jedi, Jedi isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, which so that that wasn't the original. So how have I seen reaction? it then? Because I've only I seen it. This is a very maybe, maybe you just YouTube remember it. I don't know. Likely false yeah. memory. Yeah. I think the Mandela effect, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to to show how bad the dialogue is, um, I mean, there's a, there's a famously bad line like. 
Hold me like you did by the lake on Naboo so long ago when there was nothing but our love. <coughs> and that's terrible. I, that wouldn't grace the inside of a Hallmark card. That would not work on me. <laughs> as Harrison Ford said, George, you can type the shit, but you sure as hell can't say it. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. Uh, more sample lines include, what's happening? And I can't watch anymore. And I was inclined <laughs> to agree with them. Who said that, C-3PO? Uh, I can't remember now. I think it might have been in the the bit where they were in the sort of large sort of hall with lots of little tiny pods all around it. Mm. Uh, the my Senate. Yeah, yes. And mm. um, this is is this when the Emperor seizes power and Padme goes, so this is how democracy dies with thunderous <laughs> that's applause. That's a decent line. But yeah. That stands out because it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but even what should be key moments, like uh, when Palpatine gives Vader his name and christens him as Darth Vader for the very first time, he just seems to just pull it out of the air. Like there was nothing special, no, nothing momentous, no you know, deciding line of how this, you know, the change of his name now he'd be known in a different way and he'd you know all the things that would come with that yeah. mm. I wonder what I wonder how the Sith come up with their Sith names mm. uh, uh, take take a take a name and then chop uh, in off the front of it so you get Insidious Invader ah. probably uh. Mm. In more, I guess. But that was that was quite that was a good theory. Yeah. yeah. Um, as, as far as the other actors go, uh, Ian McDermott, at least he kind of rattles through all his lines like Palpatine as a as a as a sort of pantomime villain almost. Yeah, he has a lot of fun with it. Yeah, you can mm. tell that scene at the weather at the opera, and he does the whole. Did you hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? You can tell that. He's having a lot of enjoyment out of having it up yeah. in yeah. that. But I'm convinced that he must have just absolutely ignored everything that Lucas told him. Because his performance is so mm-hmm. different to everyone else. It must have just like, oh, that's the that. key. you're talking rubbish, <laughs> I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. Um, but Ewan McGregor, you know, he, he's a perfectly decent actor. We've seen him in, yeah. good in many things. Um, but here the delivery is just in this weird stilted way, like he's attempting to manage Alex Guinness's speech patterns <laughs> all the way through and it just kind of stops him mm-hmm. emoting yeah. well he didn't really like well, he was never a Star Wars fan oh. and he, although his uncle was in the original was, trilogy yeah. wasn't he? Um, but, so he never really understood anything and he's kind of gone on record saying that The Phantom Menace was a really awful film so I don't know whether he just didn't like everyone else in the universe <laughs> yeah it, I don't know whether he just didn't enjoy his performance and he didn't give everything he wants he to go back though doesn't he he's, he's, he's open to doing the um, the Obi-Wan Kenobi mm. spin-off yeah. film yeah. and I've heard a rumour and I, I, I've just heard this I don't know how true it is that there may be a cameo in Solo huh. okay. that would make sense time mm-hmm. um, he does turn up I think Kenobi does turn up in Rebels mm-hmm. at some point I think um, I don't quite know how they work it in with Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan. I haven't heard that name for years and years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Stuff, but... He could be lying, couldn't he? He also <laughs> didn't recognise the robot that he made. That's true. Um, <laughs> but actually, my, my theory doesn't hold true when it comes to Alec Guinness because he famously just like, what the fuck is this all about? And mm-hmm. he gave an amazing so, yeah, performance. So yeah, Ewan McGregor just going through the same method yes. as Alec <laughs> yeah. Guinness. But I can't imagine the set was a very conducive experience because for the actors green screen, yeah so everything yeah. Was, yeah. even the Jedi's robes were computer generated wow. because Lucas didn't like the way actual robes flowed so we CG'd them <laughs> Yeah. Um, they were. Um, they filmed in Sydney in Fox Studios uh, in about 2002 the same time that I was there and I, this is how naive I was when I was 17 
I walked up to the security gate and said to them, I'm a really big Star Wars fan. Can I come in and watch it being filmed? And they were like, I'm going to say no. (laughs) But but I tried. (laughs) Imagine if they'd said yes, though. Yeah. That would have been cool. Yeah. They might have said, yes, it's yes, our special day. Come, Every thousand times someone's asked, yeah. we let them in. Come and be an extra. Come <laughs> be a Jedi that's killed. So um, acting-wise, um, even Natalie Portman, who's amazing, and Leon, say, um, as a child an, actress. Won an Oscar. Yeah. yeah uh, but great. here she's just criminally underused. Uh, she spends 90% of the film in one room, it seems. Uh, and she's just on the sidelines of everything. She's really drippy as yeah. a couple with Anakin. Uh, yeah. she's like, it, like, you're breaking my heart and I really didn't feel like her heart was breaking it's just, yeah. it, the, it wasn't great the, she, odd, the odd thing was um, and this isn't her fault but she dies giving birth to Luke and Leia mm-hmm. and the medical droid's like oh, she's she's dying, we don't know why it's a broken heart and Yoda and Obi-Wan and Jimmy Smits mm-hmm. uh, playing Senator Matt Santos I believe yes. um, <laughs> they're all just like yeah Sure, that's a thing. We don't have <laughs> incredibly advanced med- medical yeah. technology that could probably stop her from dying. Can we'll I just let her yeah. die. It should be, can I see your medical license? <laughs> really yeah. Yeah. Um, do, do you have an explanation for how Leia can remember her mother's face even though she never saw her? Um, Pictures? I would probably take that to the speech that... Luke gives her on Endor just talking about when he reels their brother and sister and he talks about the power that their father has and I have that power and you have that power too. We know that Leia's force powers are much more empathetic. She mostly uses them to communicate with Luke. You see it in the eye contact with Kylo in The Last Jedi as well. Maybe she just has that kind of sensitivity that can recall um, through the force. Or maybe you're giving George Lucas too much credit. (laughs) (laughs) One of the two. But if you want an in-canon explanation, Mm -hmm. that Mm. that works, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 But I also felt, in in terms of how her character was treated, um, it's like her life ends when she falls pregnant, pretty much. Um, Not that there was much of it anyway. Um, And it it just seems to be an entirely male-dominated world with no other significant female characters at all in the entire film, which nowadays just feels really old-fashioned for what's not that old a movie. And it's really backwards when you think the original trilogy had Princess Leia, who was a very key figure. Well, she had a successful career up until she was at 14. She was a queen, wasn't she? Mm -hmm. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And And then a senator. Um, but yeah, I. But it's all I, over now. She's pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. It, horrifically underused. I mean, you know, the New Zealand Prime Minister is currently pregnant, and she's still Prime Minister. Why can't she do both? I don't. I don't. I. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think <laughs> the women in the original trilogy were criminally underused and um, a real misstep from Lucas. I think uh, Natalie Portman's gone on record and said it basically ruined her career for for a long time because yeah, she came across as so bad in it. Uh-huh. And, and um, she does, and it's mm-hmm. not her fault at all. She's much better than that. Yeah, but there are a few really cool female Jedi characters who you only see Shortly right in the Cal. background just mm. just yeah. before their Order 66. Yeah. Um, and if you'd kind of popped one of those in a more prominent role, if you're exploring the Jedi that little bit more, which they do, um, that would have been really good. Yeah. I mean, the Clone Wars TV series that takes place between episode two and three kind of rectified that by giving Anakin 
an apprentice called Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. And she's a great character. And she becomes one of the main protagonists of that series. And she can lead episodes. And she's a great character. But the series had the problem of we have to write her out before we get up mm-hmm. to episode three. Because mm-hmm. she's just not mentioned at yeah. all. Um, which it's a pity that that series didn't actually happen between episodes two and three because she could have solved that problem yeah. quite nicely. Yeah. Um, you, you've got the the sort of strange naming for people still. So you've got uh, Christopher Lee reprise, reprises the role of Count Duckula. <laughs> okay, it's Count Dooku. But, uh, uh, he, Christopher Lee is always Dracula to me, so the idea they gave him a name so similar mm-hmm. to that just always mm-hmm. seemed really strange. Um and Samuel L. Jackson, um, whose character is called Mace Windu, yeah. in this movie, it gets chucked out of a window. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like nominative determinism <laughs> taken to its logical uh, conclusion, I think. So for something that's supposed to span the galaxy as well, everything looks the same almost. It's like overly large rooms with a few comfy sofas scattered around the middle. And obviously it was because there was a green screen yeah. mm-hmm. uh, room around the couple of sort of real things and these enormous windows were a stupidly distracting amount of space traffic flies by yeah and uh, which is even worse because your mind's wandering because the dialogues are terrible to look it out the window and all you're seeing is your little <laughs> spaceships whizzing past uh, we should have spectacle and wonder yeah. not a traffic report mm. um, less is more sometimes and that even you could maybe apply to the space battle as well at the start mm. there were just so many tiny little things moving around yeah. that it, it takes away from from story and focusing yeah. on the bits that matter because there are so many things happening. It's like visual noise. Um, um, also, the galaxy's stock full of suspended platforms with massive drops beneath them. It's like <laughs> a health and safety nightmare. If <laughs> <laughs> they never heard of railings. This goes on into um, The Force Awakens and uh, The Last Jedi. I think it's the design aesthetic, aesthetic mm-hmm. really. Uh, the fight scenes were a bit overlong. And they have lots of horrible CG body, body double stuff, which just looks terrible now. All, all the stuff where you see a real body turn into a CG double and then come back mm-hmm. to a real body. Mm. It's just not convincing at all. I think Camp Dooku... I think Christopher Lee did his own sword fighting in Attack of the Clones, but obviously it got a bit older by the time Sith came round. So when you see Camp Dooku, it's essentially Christopher Lee's head stuck on a... And it really looks yeah. like it as well. Mm. And it's... I was just thinking about this, knowing that this was coming up on the podcast today and it seems odd that they had Count Dooku as a villain, they'd set him up in Attack of the Clones <clears throat> and then very very quickly kill him off only to replace him with General Grievous mm. who doesn't <laughs> serve <laughs> yeah bad name alert. Yeah. Um, could there have been reasons though that say Christopher Lee was too old? Uh, perhaps yeah but it just seemed a bit of a shame from a character perspective mm. that mm. Grievous doesn't do anything that they couldn't have had Count Dooku do. They're just bringing in another top yeah. bad guy with loads of lightsabers yeah, just when an, they already had one. I thought it was just an excuse to... Um, you had Darth Maul with the double lightsaber. Let's have one with yeah. who four. can do well, four. The, that was a, it. There was a reason for that. It's the We've mentioned the strange fetish with hands in the past. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so here this is in spades. <laughs> Anakin starts the movie with a hand missing. Then he chops off Dooku's arm. Yep. Then they even give General Grievous two extra arms so they can <laughs> chop both of those off. Yeah. And then at the end, Vader has all his limbs chopped off. <laughs> it's just—it's like they have one thing they do and they just keep <laughs> doing it again and again through the entire movie. Um, those of us who grew up with Star Wars, we want each movie to give us that same thrill and excitement and sense, sense of wonder as that first time it kind of took us away somewhere else. Uh, which 
obviously it's very difficult for any film to do especially kind of re repeating the trick in a way um, I can only think this one's regarded as the best of the prequels because the other two are even worse <laughs> uh, to me it just highlights how much better the recent three movies we've had have yeah. been uh, in reviving that love and excitement we felt for Star Wars mm -hmm. uh, and for one I am glad George Lucas isn't doing it anymore <laughs> did, you uh, <laughs> did, you. Uh, did you like it more than Attack of the Clones? I, it, I watched it so long ago and may have fell asleep I remember very little bit now so um, no I don't think I did particularly uh, but then that's because I'm not comparing it to how that really felt if I'd watched that just before yeah um, I mean I actually went into the film thinking hmm should I, should I watch Attack of the Clones again before this and then about 40 minutes into this one I was god I'm glad I didn't watch that other film again <laughs> John you've been pretty quiet what did you think of Revenge of the Sith never seen it <laughs> Shame! <laughs> Why did I have to do that? Why did I have to say Because I'm not an idiot. <laughs> uh, we've been winding up Peter for weeks making you do this. And then John confessed to me like last week and like after Rat Race, Hazel, I've never seen Revenge of the Sith. Actually, that, that, I, was, I was expecting to rattle through all this in short silence and then Dan go <laughs> but obviously it wasn't like that uh, no I you can fully accept the any of the criticisms levelled at it um, I watched it most recently probably about a year ago and I remember thinking this has got some decent bits in it mm -hmm. I couldn't probably go much further than that I would probably still say it's the better of the three prequels but all three of them are still mm. at the bottom of my yeah. Star Wars league table Yeah, and only made look to look worse by the, the later I yeah. think Star Wars fans in a way tried to convince themselves those first three films weren't as bad as they were because yeah. they didn't want to kind of be letting go of Star Wars <laughs> yeah what well, um, I I like the Order 66 sequence I think that works very well I like Ian McDermott in it yeah um there's a couple of other bits and pieces. I remember Jimmy Smith's being better than I remember him mm -hmm. when I watched it most recently. It's got a few nice flourishes and moments. The music, obviously, is very good as well. Mm -hmm. But I can like it in fits and starts. I, I couldn't sit and watch it and enjoy the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were talking last night when you weren't here about you actually, and we're saying you're you're oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> you're fired. Was the uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're saying you're you're younger than us um, by uh, certainly uh, by, by by a few years. So you were twelve when the Phantom Menace came out. Would that be about right? That is correct. Yeah. So um, eleven. Eleven. Yeah. So you had you grew up with the Phantom Menace. Um, I grew up with the originals on VHS yeah. and saw A New Hope in cinemas when they did the special editions. Mm -hmm. um, but the first Star Wars film I saw for the first time in a cinema was The Phantom Menace. Yeah. So yeah. have you seen the originals on VHS before you saw The Phantom Menace? Or? Many times. Mm -hmm. wow. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm the, well, maybe a year older than you, Dan, but I did exactly the same. Yeah. watched the original first mm -hmm. and then... I uh, went to see Phantom Menace in the cinema. Yeah, I went. The reason I was excited for the Phantom Menace was because I really liked the originals. Yeah, uh, it wasn't. Yeah. It, yeah, Star Wars wasn't a new thing when that came out to me. Uh -huh. um, I mean, th those were the dark times. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, when when I was growing up, you didn't have new Star Wars stuff coming out like you do now. They, I collected the vintage figures, and they were what got me into it, as I believe I said on the very first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and through the figures, I watched the original films mm-hmm. and loved those. And you could get books and things like that, but not much. They brought out new lines of figures very occasionally, but none of them were as good as the original, really mm-hmm. old ones. Mm-hmm. Then you had the special editions in 97, and there was loads of stuff that came out for that. And then it was like, oh, and we're doing some new ones. And that was very exciting. So I was fully on board the hype train mm-hmm. yeah. for that. Um, but even at the time, summer 99, I enjoyed films like The Mummy and yeah. probably Shrek mm-hmm. more than Matrix. I did The Phantom Menace. Ma- didn't see The Matrix at the time. Yeah. Um, it was 15. Yeah, yeah, I was too young. Um, I sneaked in. <laughs> shocking. But yeah, I, The Mummy was my favourite film of that mm-hmm. year, um, I would have said. So, well, on, yeah. In a way as well, The Mummy has that sort of try and recreate the 40s adventure serial yeah. about it, doesn't it? Assuming it's on the Brendan Fraser. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting in a way that the two things have that mm-hmm. sort of link. I love that yeah. film. But yeah, I was going into it from a mindset of I really love the originals, what's this I hope this new one's good as as well or well, I just assumed it was going to be as good as the originals because yeah. we, there had never been a bad Star Wars movie so <laughs> why would there be yeah. and I remember the trailer for The Phantom Menace was the first thing I ever searched for on the internet when we got the internet at home wow. Star Wars trailer, <laughs> which I wrote in the address bar because I didn't understand what search was <laughs> It took 25 minutes to download. It was the size of a postage stamp. That is correct. Yeah, <laughs> I I had a very strange experience watching um, Donny Brasco in the cinema, um, in the old Odeon Cinema in Leeds, which was one cinema that had been split into three screens with very thin walls. So I was watching Donny Brasco, and there's a a gunfight where there's Al Pacino and some of the people running and shooting each other. And at the same time, there was a special edition of, I think, Jedi or one of them playing in the next screen very loudly and the uh, blasters timed perfectly with the gun <laughs> which gave it a, you know Al Pacino firing a pistol going like boo 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 <laughs> very odd so how many lightsabers out of ten are you going to give Revenge of the Sith Three. how many severed hands out of ten <laughs> three severed hands <laughs> how far up the high ground would you place it up the what the high ground um <laughs> Since since the film came out, the generation that has grown up with the prequels, um, Star Wars prequel memes are a huge thing. Uh-huh. And the moment where um, Obi-Wan's looking down on Anakin, crawling up the sand without any arms or legs, and shouts about how he has the high ground oh, has turned into a massive yeah. meme moment. Right. Um, <laughs> so well, how much you like something can be determined uh-huh. by how how close to the lava or how far up the high ground you put it. He's got his tootsies in the lava, no, oh. no question at all. From the, from the bits that I've seen, um, I've seen the first 20 minutes, I've, I, watched a, I watched a highlights clip, um, sort of in preparation. Was Low it lights long? clip. <laughs> it's, I think it was everything wrong with... Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to give it from an incomplete viewing, I'm going to give it two dead younglings out of ten. <laughs> Uh, we haven't even touched on the the whole sequences on the Wookiee planet with young Chewie. They, they also they do like a sort of Tarzan yelp at one point as well. Like, is that a bit Kashuk? Weird. Is that like Kashuk? Yeah. Kashuk. Yeah. 
and you get more I mean people reacted so positively to Yoda fighting in the second one they totally overdid it in episode yeah. 3 and mm-hmm. he's flipping about all over the place and it yeah. just doesn't work for him I also some of the prequel I think it was a, a puppet in Phantom Menace wasn't it mm-hmm. um, but I think they've now redone that with CGI on the yes. Blu-rays but in the other two you've got a CGI Yoda and I don't understand how you can spend millions of pounds on CGI and end up with something that's less expressive <laughs> than, a, than a felt puppet <laughs> felt puppet Easier to control, though, probably. Mm. But I, I would have thought you'd, in, a, in effect, motion cap the puppet. And that way you get all the good bits about it. And then if just something needs a bit of tweaking to make it better. Mm. Not I, I, th- I think way. you get Frank Oz comes across. In the, you know, the fact mm. that it's Frank Oz doing it, I think mm. a certain way of movement and everything that a puppeteer has. Yeah, that personality. Very, yeah. 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 But it's, al- it's always fascinating to see behind-the-scene clips from, from the later prequels, particularly... Mm. Because there's just nothing there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. I think it was blue screen at that point. I don't know if they've gone green. Yeah, I don't know when that changed. <laughs> it, it, it but... actually just depends what colour you're shooting. Oh, okay. So both of them are chosen because they look different to skin tone. Um, but generally, it just depends what, yeah. what colours you have in your costumes. And okay. But yeah, there's just nothing there for any of the actors to react to. It must have. It was kind of the height of. Of CG, yeah. there's very much we can do this stuff. So let's make everything yeah. CG. The Phantom Menace had sets, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it, from Attack of the Clones, it was pretty much all mm-hmm. CG and looks set. But there, I mean, there are you know, it's it's part of modern filmmaking now, and it doesn't have to be bad. Yeah, these were. I think there's a, there's about ten years worth of movies, or maybe slightly less, from about ninety seven to two thousand and five, two thousand and seven, maybe that just really dated much worse. Than stuff before it was models mm-hmm. where they went. Yeah. I think they went all CG or over the lines of CGI too early. Yeah, the exceptions to that I would say um, would be uh, Terminator Two, for example, where mm-hmm. all the effects in there still actually look pretty yeah. good. But I there's think. very little CGI in Terminator Two. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, well, it, but it's and like, in Jurassic Park, but it's a lot less. Yeah. Years old or something. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's got to yeah. be quite a bit older. Than um, I think movies. I read I read an article about this on Cracked recently, um, just comparing sort of classic films that are known for their great effects with almost like remakes or more mm. recent sequels. So it took Jurassic World and it took Jurassic Park yeah. and kind of explained what Spielberg did was he used the CGI only where he knew it was going to look good and mm. make the film look better. Mm-hmm. Whereas the technology is now so good that in the new ones, they just put everything in there whether it's going to add to mm. the film or not. Mm. I think more recently, generally speaking, films tend to have found that balance a bit between yeah. practical effects, CG effects, and not actually needing all that much. Um, things like, I mean, the Marvel films, like the first Iron Man's 10 years old now, mm-hmm. and that you can still watch. And there is probably some dodgy CG in there, but there are real locations, there are lots of real actors yeah. as well. Mm. That came out the same month as the Indiana Jones film that we should not speak of. And Which one? You, yeah, um, it, yeah. I can't remember the name. I but, thought the uh, Indiana Jones film came out. Yeah, the one with Sean Connery's the last one, isn't it? I don't know, I'm sure that. I don't know, but there was this other film, uh, and that had so much unnecessary CG yeah. crammed in. To watch those two films now, ten years later, yeah. you're going to see a marked difference. And the Iron Man model appears to be the one that's. Mm-hmm. Taken off. 
It's weird. No, Literally, the, Iron Man. <laughs> people now in films and the making of documentaries and in the promo, they make a big thing about not using CGI, don't they? It's, it's a bunch of, oh, we've actually built these sets and yeah. it's all practical. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how much... I mean, it, it's it'll be a general thing, but directors like Christopher Nolan, who will always go practical over mm. CG if they can, mm. and the success of films like The Dark Knight and Inception, which mm. use CG, but have certainly in their marketing, put the emphasis on the real special effects, whether um, that's... Mad Max, I think, is Fury Road, is a yeah. fantastic yeah. example of how to do it really well, where the central things, which are the vehicles, are real vehicles moving along real roads, but yet they've just taken any liberties they like with, you know, whether they're travelling down a narrow ravine and all mm-hmm. that, or the other vehicles you see in the background, those can be CG. Yeah. And it just makes every decision the right way, it yeah. seems to me. Maybe we just had to go through that Revenge of the Sith period to find... Balance in the force, as it were. Um, Because, I mean, you look at Jurassic World again, the best effect in that film is the one animatronic that they bothered to make. Um, Which was Fat. That's right, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, they uh, modified him from his Parks and Rec body. Um, But when the Indominus Rex has killed all of the sauropods, Mm -hmm. and there's one who's still not quite dead and Chris Pratt goes and oh, kind right. of yeah. soothes mm-hmm. it yeah. and you see its head and its neck mm. that's a puppet and it's the one time the you get like a real emotional connection yeah. to the yeah. dinosaurs yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas the rest of the time it's like oh it's, mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's interesting though like with, with CGI um, one thing that it's been used in a lot and you don't know it so much is sort of set extension um, to fill in the background so if you watch the original Batman you notice how tight a lot of the angles are so like you see a street corner mm. Or a, a alleyway, we've not, and it's all dark behind it. And if you see it now, you know they'll, they'll build the city around it, so you have a lot more wide shots and establishing mm-hmm. shots. What's, what's, what's the worst piece of CGI you ever seen? Uh, an American werewolf in Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, they cut from they keep cutting between a model werewolf that they've made a pathetic and a oh, see, pathetic, pathetic. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> a, a, a prosthetic or animatronic mm-hmm. uh, werewolf and um, CGI mm. and the two don't look alike from shot to shot it just doesn't match at all mm. so you get a close up of the model face so then a full size CGI I, werewolf and it's awful I'd say the worst sort of green screeny type effects I've seen in a modern movie have to be Justice League mm. which definitely needs mm. to be examined in yeah. detail um, for me it's um, The Mummy Returns and The Rock as uh, oh, the, the Scorpion, Scorpion King pretty terrible. awful and the thing is I, I mean i actually just watched him in a movie yesterday mm-hmm. and he now he is pretty good at making relatively rubbish roles fun mm-hmm. and enjoyable mm-hmm. and he just wasn't able to do that at all in that movie yeah. I mean he's hardly in it though is he? he's yeah. in the first couple of minutes and at the end he's all yeah. CGI, CGI yeah. yeah um I would mention that unnamed 2008 film again for mm. an absolutely unnecessary computer generated gopher mm-hmm. at the start um the fact that Peter is looking at me with a I quizzical can't remember, can't remember that yeah. expression remember. means what a waste of money. <laughs> it's, it's the opening shot, the Nevada desert, and this CG gopher runs along and digs in a hole and then looks out. Yeah. No, there is absolutely no reason why it needs to be in there. It would have been more convincing if it was the puppet from Caddyshack. <laughs> um, but that is not my nomination. Okay. My, mo- my <laughs> least favourite CG thing ever is... Azog the Defiler, the main orc in the Hobbit films. Yeah. <laughs> he is aggressively awful CGI. 
he takes you completely out of the world of the film of the universe of any semblance of sanity or mm-hmm. sense because he just looks so fake yeah and when you've already established that universe with blokes and prosthetics who admittedly have had to be in there for eight hours at a time every day to mm-hmm. get that look mm-hmm. but you've got your orc aesthetic you know what they look like and then you stick in this cg monstrosity and make it a main character in three films it's yeah i've never gone back and watched the hobbits and i (laughs) because i just can't face the terrible cgi i haven't either it's weird because peter jackson's a a monster expert and his whole wetter workshop thing is is all around amazing prosthetics and they really broke a lot of ground with with that kind of stuff that decision to go cgi Mm. for a a main character i I think there's a story that's going to be told about the hobbit in the future i don't think he was happy with them i don't yeah. Well, there's that story yeah. of Ian McKellen sort of breaking down and crying yes. on set because he he's acting so with, lonely. Yeah, acting with yeah. the dwarves, but he's actually acting with a dozen ping pong balls on sticks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know whether it's because of that high frame rate thing that Peter Jackson and James oh, yeah. Cameron yeah. tried to make the new 3D mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. making everything ultra real. Never saw The Hobbit in high frame rate, didn't oh, want yeah. to, but maybe they went with CG mm-hmm. orcs because they thought the prosthetics would look less real because you could see where the makeup all connected but watching it in regular it's it's so bad mm-hmm. and it makes me sad because lord of the rings was so yeah. great yeah mm. um so that's my pick mm, but I, yeah i think there's, there's a honest making of the hobbit book coming out in 10 years i think <laughs> i just get that feeling there was a lot of behind the scenes changes and trouble on it yeah yeah there was a lot of um stuff around the new zealand film scene a lot of them went on strike mm-hmm. if i remember correctly yeah and didn't they stop filming for six months because he didn't have an ending or something or didn't have a... Well, it was well after it got announced that mm. they kind of went, oh, it's not one film, it's two films. And, and then, then much, films. much later it became yeah. three films. Yeah. Um, mm. I mean, uh, reshoots wasn't an unusual thing with Lord of the Rings. They went back and reshot all yeah. the three films. Yeah. So um, I don't know what was the reason for having the break. I don't know. I think it was the big battle at the end of the second one. I think he just mm. didn't have it. But Peter Jackson hasn't made anything since, has he? Not that I've seen. He made King Kong yeah. in between Lord of the Rings mm. and this one. Yeah, and he did the Lovely Bones. Uh, Lovely Bones was... Guillermo... Bef- sorry. For, was Lovely Bones before King Kong or after King Kong? Uh, it was after King, been Kong. after King Kong. Um, and obviously uh, Guillermo del Toro was originally lined up to direct and um, gave that up because... Creative differences, I think. Yeah. Wasn't um, he going to do um, Harry Potter at one point as well? Mm-hmm. The one that ended up mm-hmm. doing by Alfonso Cuarón. Yeah. There's a really sad list of one. Del Toro films that he never made, and just so many amazing. Like in the Mouth of Madness, that he, he he wanted to get going for years, and he was going to do. Uh, he was offered at one point the Dark Universe Universal stuff, which so far has just led to the Mummy, the Tom Cruise Mummy. Mm. Um, and he was going to do that at one point, and I'd love to see his take on it. Does anyone else watch uh, the show Robert's Goldman? Uh, the TV show all about sort of vampire. Oh, the Strain. Yes, that's yes. It, yeah. Well, I really enjoy that. I, th- mm. I think it's really good fun. Yeah. It's, uh, um, David Bradley's really good in it. Yeah. Um, I like the I like the books more, um, but I remember 
getting very excited about those books coming out at the time because Pan's Labyrinth had come out, Hellboy 2 had come out, and now Del Toro's writing books about vampires. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Um, on the subject of unnecessary CGI, more of a general thing, giant city smashing. I hate Once that. they yeah. develop yeah. the... It's horrible. It's like, yeah. we can do this, let's put it in everything, yeah. and it's just it's rubbish. Really yeah. rubbish. X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah. I've ranted about that on this podcast yeah, before. But um, I won't reason. go again. Yeah. But same thing. Yeah. Okay. Smashy, smashy. Right, thank you for listening to the Nerdfest podcast. That's all we've got time for today. Um, but please get involved in our social channels at, um, on Twitter and Facebook at Nerdfest UK. Uh, but in the meantime, you have been listening to... Dan Watkins, Peter Johnson, John Farthing. And I'm Hazel Burton. See you next time. Bye. I'm Ian McCroughlin. And I'm sexy Ian McLaughlin. <laughs> and irritating and it gets everywhere.